Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind him. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams gonna throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio is gonna take it. for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Barth. Good gosh, dirty! This is the Heel Tough Blog What's going on, guys? It's the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast. Oh, man. Look at these two fellas right here. How about this? We are dressed for the occasion because tonight is a very special night on this edition of the podcast. The Tar Heels currently sit at 6-0 and so far this season. They prepare for their game. The South's oldest rivalry, and a rivalry that I will uh, go to bat for uh, just about as much as any when people try to bring it up. The South's oldest rivalry this Saturday against Virginia. And look, in years past, normally the midseason point has been where Carolina's had their bye. So it's fit in perfectly for us. We've had plenty of time to do all uh, the stuff that we normally like to do. But this year it's not. We have to sandwich it uh, in the middle of a game week. But uh, we love it. We think it's uh, it's going to be a great night. And we have plenty of awards that we want to give out tonight. We have six of them that we will give out on this edition of the Heel Tough Vlog podcast. My uh, esteemed host and fellow presenter, Mr. Joshua Marlowe, is joining us this evening. Sir, you are looking rather spiffy yourself. Uh, I'm going to bill you for the dry cleaning to make sure the, the coat was ready to go. Um, the good I news you is, just, I thought you just used Willie P's dry cleaning services. Is that yeah, not, no, I can't not, afford him because I mean, he he overpriced his barbecue. I can only imagine when he'd overpriced to dry clean my clothes. Oh my god! But um, you, you know, look, the, the fun thing about tonight is we should have more people paying attention to our award show as opposed to like the Golden Globes or the Academy Awards because we have True. awards to give out that people actually care about. Um, unfortunately, no one's going to be getting slapped like uh, like Kevin Hart did a few years ago when 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 Will Smith gave up there and gave him a little one two one two. That was last year, right? Was it? Yeah. The good news is that we've been slapping teams on the field, which makes uh, this award show a lot more fun because it hasn't been all bad as we've done awards on the pod. But there have been some years where trying to give out awards hasn't been as fun. This year it's going to be uh, it's going to be equally as fun as difficult because 
Uh, Carolina's got a damn good football team, and it's hard to identify just who has been great on both sides of the ball. All right. Well, we we have to give an award starting things out tonight to the least cooperative award, and that will go to uh, my dog, Willow, who uh, apparently uh, is not getting the – not not getting the uh, notion that, hey, we're doing an award show here. Do you Come hear on, the Taylor Swift concert going on in my background? Because my Swifty roommate is is jamming out to country version Taylor Swift, which as a guy that's kind of converted to a mini Swifty, country okay. Swifty is the best. So we're talking like um... – Tear teardrops on my guitar. That's a yeah. That was yeah. that was one. I don't um, think she was oh, happy that I was singing. Out, what I'm is it? Our song. I oh forget. yeah. Our song is a slamming screen door. Yeah. No, no. The only reason I know that song is because when we were in middle school, um, I actually used to ride to school with a family. You probably remember them, but it's been a long time, and there's no chance they're watching this. Uh, but the Rostanio family used to take me to school. Uh, we lived like right down the block. And the daughter who was in our grade was a humongous Taylor Swift fan. And that was her favorite song. She would play that every time I was in the car. I mean, oh, God. Oh, uh, that song brings back nightmares. But we're not here to do that, guys. We're here to talk about the 6-0 and Tar Heels. And we're here to give out some awards for this 6-0 and season. Uh what a start it has been to the year. And look, I, I don't know if anybody really saw the Tar Heels sitting where they're at right now. Um, so there are a ton of guys that deserve a ton of praise for this season. Um, just because they don't show up on these lists uh, doesn't mean that, you know, we didn't consider them. Uh, we'll tell you, we'll take you a little bit inside the process on some of them. Um, but look, if there's somebody that you feel passionate about that you feel like should be on a list, that you feel like should win one of the awards, let us know. We want to hear you in the comments section. Uh, I'll read off the uh, the categories for you here tonight uh, that we'll be going through. Best coaching job, best play, biggest surprise, defensive MVP, offensive MVP, and overall MVP will be handed out this evening. Why don't you say uh, we get into it there, good sir, with the best coaching job so far this season. And the nominees for best coaching job so far this year are cornerbacks coach Jason Jones, offensive coordinator Chip Lindsey, and defensive coordinator Gene Kizik. Uh, to me... I think it's very simple. There are a lot of other guys that have done really, really good jobs. Um, you could also, you know, point to, I think, believe it or not, Tim Cross on the defensive line. He did not make it on here, but I will tell you that I did consider him because what that defensive line has done this year uh, has been amazing, especially considering what, you know, we thought coming into the year with him, uh, Carolina's defensive line could look like once again. Uh, Randy Clements, the way the offensive line has looked in year one under him. Uh, keep in mind, this is the third offensive line coach in as many years. So for him to have the unit looking as good as they do, definitely had to take him into consideration as well. But those were the three that we settled on. And I think all of them have pretty legitimate cases to take home this award. Yeah, I mean, for me, like I'm going to say it was a no-brainer. But I know for me, my answer has to be Chip Lindsay. 
because I think as, as much as anybody that covers and talks about this team, I was as negative as anybody about the hire. No, not um, you. Stop it. And, and I thought it was justified because his his play calling duties, like they don't get taken away if you're not like if you're doing a good job, right? Like Frank Wright doesn't get ever play calling this week for the Panthers if he was doing a good job actually calling plays. Hey, that team is leading their division in scoring. Okay, watch it. But what I think the, the thing he's done, and the reason why he gets this award is he's done what. Phil Longo didn't do. He's getting the absolute most out of his his offensive unit as a as a as a, an entirety. Carolina's run game. Um, you've got one of the best running backs in the country in, in Amari Hampton. Drake May, after a, a quote unquote slow start, has settled in and has looked like the quarterback that he is going to be at this level. What is going to be in the NFL for the next decade and a half? You've got great wide receivers. You've got great tight end play. You've got a good offensive line. And we knew this was possible with Chip if he called the right plays and built the type of relationship with Drake May that, that was going to be necessary. And so it's been a lot of fun to watch him flourish. You, you, you know, Gene, definitely a close second just because the defense has been better than what, you know, I, I, I think we thought it was going to be just given yeah, the track cool. record of the defense. And then Jason Jones, I think the reason why, you know, on the surface people are going to say, well, didn't he just inherit the room that, that Dre Bly had that, uh, that he underperformed with? Not really. I mean, there aren't five stars in, you know, in, in Tony Grimes or a highly coveted, you know, three-star, I think a borderline four-star like Storm Duck was in the secondary. Marcus Allen is a, is a nice player, was a nice player coming out. Um, you look at Elijah Huzzy, this guy came up from the FCS level. Like, you, you were having to make do with what you were given, and you've gotten the absolute most out of that talent in that room. Um, and then you look at what the safeties have done as well. So I think the thing you like about all three of these coaches, even though I give Chip the nod, is that they are getting the absolute most out of the, the talent they've been given. And that hasn't been the case in some of the years where Carolina has fell short of expectations. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the case for Jason Jones that you made is perfect because, yes, he did. Yes, he inherited some guys, but he has pretty much, I mean, look at the guys that are in that room. You're talking about Elijah Huzzy, who is a transfer that he and this staff went out and got. Um, he deserves a ton of credit for that. Uh, you have Armani Chapman, who's played a big role there as well, who they went out and got. Uh, Tayon Holloway, yeah, he was recruited by Dre Bly, but the development really started this offseason under Jason Jones. And Marcus Allen, we talked about Marcus Allen being in that same realm as some of these other guys that Carolina has had in recent years with Tony Grimes and Storm Duck as guys that really flashed in their freshman year. But were they able to take it to the next level? The other two guys never really were. I think Marcus Allen has been better this year. Maybe some people want to disagree with me on that. I think you've seen him get better as the year has gone along. And all that, you know, a lot of that is credited to Jason Jones. So I think he has a case for himself. There's no doubt in my mind uh, that it's legitimate. But I think you're right. I think it comes down to Chip and Gene. And it's really close because, yeah, we thought this defense would be improved. No way we thought this defense was going to be this good. 
this quick. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. If they would have gotten to this point late in the year, okay, makes sense. The fact that they did what they did in the first game of the season, that they've done what they've done against, you know, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, really all the Power 5 opponents, they've been outstanding. Like, the other night was the most points that they've allowed, and really that was just because Miami was able to score late on them. Other than that, this unit has looked great. So he has a heck of a case. But I'm with you. I will give it to Chip Lindsey because I really think that when he came in, we were concerned that this offense would take a major step back. And instead, it has been a major upgrade. I don't know if you've looked at what the dude that was formerly the offensive coordinator here is doing right now in Wisconsin. And look, I'm I'm wishing him the best there. I have no ill will towards Phil Longo. But it's not great right now. It's not. And so you look at what Chip Lindsey has done. This offense is more efficient. This offense is scoring better in the red zone. Like, there is some legitimate things here that Chip Lindsey has been able to do that you did not see from Phil Longo. So credit to Mac Brown for going out and finding him. But credit to Chip Lindsey for really stepping up his game and adjusting to the guys that Carolina had, but also bringing some new ideas into that room. You could say whatever you want, the early season turnover issues for Drake. Drake May's a better player right now than he was a year ago. He's taken that next step, and that's because of Chip Lindsey. That's because of some of the other help that they brought too. But Chip deserves a lot of that. And I, I, I got to tell you, we've had, even last year, when Carolina started 9-1, and one, we had games where we sat there and said to ourselves, man, that wasn't a great game called by Phil Longo. I have not had a single game this year so far that I've left saying, I didn't really like the way Chip Lindsey called that game. I've loved every game plan that he's come out with so far. And you could say, well, they're 6-0. and So, of course you do. I just think it's different, man. So, for that reason, our winner of our first award goes to Mr. Chip Lindsey. Congratulations, Chip. I know this means just so much to you. Um, and uh, hopefully you keep it going in the second half of the year. Now let's move on to best play. This one, there's three plays that stood out to me, really four that stood out to me. And the one that gets left off here is probably going to have some people mad. When you look at the actual plays themselves, that's what it came down to, to determining our three finalists. We toyed with the idea of putting Tez Walker's first touchdown from the other night in here because it was his first touchdown in a Tar Heel uniform. This was, I mean, this was a big deal for everything that he had been through. This was huge for him to score a touchdown in a home game in Carolina's biggest game of the season so far. But we decided to leave that one off. And we decided to go with three plays that uh, were spectacular, that also had major impacts on the uh, final outcome of games. And so we'll play each one of them for you. We'll re relive uh, those for you. And we'll start out with the Elijah Huzzy game-winning pass breakup against App State. Here is how it sounded on the ACC Network, courtesy of West Durham. Snap, pressure, Aguilar, back foot throw, Davis, incomplete. 
No flags. Tar Heels win. What a huge play that was. Uh, Carolina needed that because, uh, look, I, I know that maybe they find a way to get a sub. But that was fourth and five. And, look, that entire game, Carolina had not played well, especially in run defense. For Elijah Huzzy, a guy that at that time, remember, was still a relative unknown, had a pretty solid first game against South Carolina. But for him to step up and make that play against App State, that was a huge play. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and it was – I think it was the turning point for him indivi- individually because they targeted him. And they targeted him, I think it was twice in that quarter. And I think he made – or twice in the uh, overtime session, and he made plays. And, um, you know, now he's become the type of corner that, you know, they all thought they were getting when they when they recruited him out of the transfer portal. Um, he's a big part of, of the type of success uh, Carolina – um has had so the only thing i can complain is i wish we had the jones angel call i know you can't because of the way that the video would have been brought in but yes. when he tells them to head up back to mountain that's one of it i mean it's nothing's gonna top no he's not yes he is but that was a pretty good emotional call from jones because uh we know those app state fans we love them during basketball season because they're carolina basketball fans but app state football fans they're pain in the butt um, and he got to tell them politely, go climb back up the mountain. Well, I mean, look, there's there's another play in here that I would love to have the Jones call for because I thought it was better. But unfortunately, you're right. It's the formatting of the video that we got to go with them. And look, you know, West Durham, I, I, you know, does a tremendous job for ACC Network. Um, and then you'll have you'll have uh, uh, what is it? I think it's Dave Pash. He's out. You're actually going to hear him right now. Uh, we'll go to a little Dave Passion. Uh, if you guys know who was calling these games, if you were watching at home, you probably remember this. This happened just a couple of weeks ago. Kobe Pesor with what will be more than likely the catch of the year for Carolina. Said occasionally video games, but mostly it's watching football. Ball, ball all the time. That pass behind the intended receiver. She's going to work a slant inside. This is actually one of Drake May's worst passes. Pass behind him, gets one hand on it, tips it to himself. How about the concentration as Elijah Clark closes on the football and then it's heels to the field, speed into the end. I mean, that play was just outstanding. I mean, the concentration that he had, uh, the mindset that he had to basically just tap it up to himself. Um, I, I mean, you go back to what he did last year. Remember, he had that catch against Georgia State where he has like a one-handed catch laying out in the back of the end zone. This one might be even better than that. This was a phenomenal catch as part of just an all-around butt-kicking of the Syracuse Orange a couple weeks ago. You know, the thing, and I kind of forgot about this, is that imagine if he doesn't tip that ball to himself. There's a good chance that ball gets intercepted. Mm-hmm. And there's a very good chance, just depending where you look at where Carolina was in terms of where their offensive players were, that's a pick six. There's a very good chance that ball gets taken all the way back to the house and all of a sudden becomes a, a two-possession game. Instead, mm-hmm. he does an acrobatic, he tips it to himself, runs all the way to the end zone, 
good night, Irene, and probably set, sped up the, the the firing process for Dino Babers up there with Syracuse. So um, it's definitely going to be the catch of the year for Carolina. There's been some other catches uh, around the country. I know Keon Coleman had – he mossed Syracuse, I think, this week too as well. It's been one of the catches uh, in, in, all across college football. And so it's going to be really tough for that not to be uh, the best play of the year so far as we're halfway through the 2023 campaign. You would think, but you should know what other play is here. Now, again, we have to apologize for the video quality because if you remember, if you were at home watching this game, the ACC Network had some technical difficulties during this time. But here is the play that many people will be talking about with Drake May's career, along with that play that he made last year against Miami. You know what it is. It's the left-handed touchdown throw against Pittsburgh. When you're, when you're here and you see the pictures on the wall. May in the gun. Second down and four. Got a throw, and oh my goodness, he threw it to the end zone, and it's caught for the touchdown by Pesor, and he threw it left-handed. What in the world? This is what I mean about this kid. It's a, it's a zone read, basically. They don't block the edge. And this is Patrick Mahomes stuff. This is, we're throwing the ball left-handed. There you go. So that's uh, West Durham. Tim Hasselback on the call there. By the way, it's uh, what was it? Dusty Dvorak was the analyst for Dave Pash, right? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So you got do- so. Um, but yeah, what what a play that was! Uh, just unbelievable. And you you go back to the post game interview after that game where Drake is talking about that play, and he pretty much tells you, "Yeah, that wasn't supposed to happen at all." That was me just making a play. Mac Brown said uh, that was not something that he wanted to see from him again, that he was improvising at that point. He said, you made the top play. All right, let's never see that one again. Uh, But what a play that was. And it just shows you again the creativity that you have back there at quarterback from Drake May. And, yeah, I I know it's high praise. We were all thinking it when he made that play. That was a Mahomes type play. It's the best left-handed play I've seen by a Tar Heel athlete since, Mar- since Marcus Page tied the national title game in 2016. Like, that's how up there that uh, Nathan is. Nathan Elliott can't get up there? Um, negative. Um, and, 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 yeah, I mean, I think, I think that play, as much as anything, was starting to really signify his, his uh, turnaround is not the right word because he wasn't playing bad. His, uh, his arrival to the 2023 football season because he had struggled in, in certain aspects, not turning the or, or you know turning the football over and everything. Remember that game? Carolina got down was it 14 nothing right off the bat or something? They got down two possessions and they fought their way back to take a two possession lead at the half. Doesn't happen without Drake May and the plays that he's able to make. And while that one is not in the playbook per se, it is in his uh, repertoire to make on the football field and. He did it against the Panthers. Yes, and uh, that's the reason why with how and, – and you talk about importance, that one. Uh, I feel like the other two – I mean, yeah, you could argue that the, the one for Pesor, it, was, it came in a 30-7 to seven game. I mean, that was still a very important play at the time just before halftime. Uh, Huzzies clearly was the most important play 
But we're going to go with that left-handed touchdown pass as our play of the year to this point. Uh, again, congratulations, Drake. I know that you are eagerly awaiting the award that uh, we will be sending out. Uh, no, we will not. Um, but uh, it, it really, I mean, just shows you how special a quarterback Carolina has. And I think if, if he does end up making a run, even to New York, that is one of those moments that you can go back and look. That's really where things started for him. Because before yeah. that, he really hadn't played great. I mean, yeah, he threw for 414 yards against Minnesota, but he also turned it over twice in that game. So I, I, I think that for that reason, I think that is why you have to give him the advantage here. Uh, and give him the play of the year to this point. Uh, let's go with our next award, the biggest surprise. There are three guys. Really, it's it's two guys and a pair of guys, uh, which we're kind of cheating a little bit, um, but still. Uh, so we have J.J. Jones, the wide receiver for the Tar Heels, is our first nominee. Uh, so far this year, 20 catches, 372 yards he does not have a touchdown, but uh, still a tremendous year for him, especially considering that he did not start the year as a projected starter uh, before, of course, everything happened with the Tez Walker situation. So uh, for him to be having that type of year, tremendous. Uh, Noah Burnett is our second nominee uh, so far this year in four games, 18 for 18 on extra points, nine for nine on his field goal attempts, including the first three, all from 40-plus. Uh, of course, he had to take over midseason. He had to start uh, the game against Minnesota after the injury to starting kicker Ryan Coe and has not looked back and has been a big weapon for Carolina hitting a couple of important field goals here uh, over these last few games. And then the final guys that we have back there, again, we said we cheated just a little bit because we had such a hard time deciding between the two. It is the safety tandem of Don Chapman and Giovanni Bigger. So far this season, Don Chapman, 27 total tackles, uh, two tackles for loss, one interception, one pass deflection. Giovanni Bigger's 23 total tackles, one tackle for loss, one interception, and one pass deflection. Um, both of these guys, you know, coming into the year, that was the position I was most concerned about on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, just in terms of the guys that were in that room, because you were running it back with guys that were there last year, guys that struggled in coverage a year ago. And this year, I think both guys have been much, much better. Don Chapman did not have a great game the other night against Miami. Got beat uh, on a late touchdown that gave Miami some hope. But other than that, he has been fantastic so far this year in every aspect. He's been very involved in the run game. He's done a great job in coverage. And Giovanni Biggers has really been the same way. I think all four of these guys are very deserving. Uh, what, what do you think about these uh, these prestigious finalists? Yeah, I'm going to go with J.J. Jones just because, you know, there was there was a reason why I think we were concerned once we knew Tez Walker wasn't going to be able to start the year because we, we needed to know that there was going to be some production on the outside. Um, we knew that Kobe Pesor could do what he could do in the slot, and Bernate McCollum didn't play the first game. 
Um, and, and, and so you needed to find someone to step up. And J.J. Jones uh, became that guy. And the thing I've liked about it is even since McCollum's gotten involved and even says Walker's gotten involved, Drake's still looking for him. Drake's still wanting to get him the ball because he's got that that trust with him because he, he he played so well out of the gate. And look, it, it was it was needed. Carolina needed to find someone else to step up, and they're and they're going to need him as the season moves along because as the season gets deeper. And you look at those final three games where Carolina's got a Duke defense they got to contend with. They got to go to Clemson, one of the better defenses in the country. And even we all know the problems NC State gives Carolina from a defensive perspective. They're going to do a better job than some of these teams are at taking away the Tez Walkers, taking away the Kobe, uh, you know, the, the Kobe Paysors before the injury. Now he's hurt. Now it even it, it even makes it more imperative that he steps up. The difference is now we got the confidence. We've got the belief in him, and so does his quarterback, so does his head coach, and so does his play caller. Yeah, I, I, this one was another one that was tough for me because I, you know, the safeties there, they had done a great job, really thought about them. But to me, it came down to Noah Burnett and J.J. Jones because with Burnett, I mean, we had completely written this dude off. We thought, okay, they got Ryan Cohen here last year. 19 to 23 on field goals when he was at Cincinnati. This is the guy. And he gets hurt. All of a sudden, we're saying, okay, we got to go back to Noah Burnett. What is his confidence level going to be like? This dude has been amazing so far this year. Um, and he deserves a ton of credit for that. But I'm with you. I go with J.J. Jones because before the season started, it did not look like this dude was going to be involved. Uh, nearly as much as he was last year, full-time starter last year. But the thing was also, like, I was the guy that was saying, is, you know, when we were talking about guys taking the next step, I kept talking about Gavin Blackwell being that guy. Gavin Blackwell was the one that won a starting job in fall camp. And then I was getting excited about guys like Christian Hamilton, who I had as my break, one of my breakout players. That's going real well. Uh and then, you know, guy, another guy like Chris Culliver coming in. We were saying, okay, well, you know, are those the guys that step up? What about Andre Green Jr.? Is this where he finally breaks out? J.J. Jones was that one guy that we were just like, yeah, J.J. Jones is there. And now, all of a sudden, I mean, you look at him, up until this past week, he was your leading receiver. Nate McCollum took over that spot. No, he took over that spot two weeks ago. Not this past week, but two weeks ago against Syracuse he did it. But still, before then, I mean, you're talking about J.J. Jones being your leading receiver. Actually, no, now I'm doing the math in my head. It was this week. Um, he, I, I mean, he deserves just a ton of credit because this dude, it could have been easy for him to even just hit the transfer portal and say, well, you guys recruited over me. You got other guys that are coming in here when they brought in Tez Walker. Um, in the fall, you know, he, he could have gotten down on himself and said, ah, you know what, Gavin Blackwell be, you know, is is getting another the other starting job opposite of Tez, it looks like. Ah, oh, what are you gonna do? You got Kobe Pesor too. Ah, I'm kind of stuck. He didn't, he rebounded, he's been tremendous. As you said, there's trust. Look at the play that he made the other night against Miami. The long pass in the first quarter. If that play doesn't happen, I mean, what does Carolina's offense look like? Remember, they weren't running the ball a lot early they were trying to, to to force the passing game at times and so it really makes you wonder 
what, what he's done so far this year should give you a lot of confidence. And it, it's the reason why we're with, with Kobe Pesor out now, you can still feel confident in this wide receiving course. So congratulations to JJ Jones. You can add this uh, to uh, your, your uh, just loads of, uh, you know, all conference uh, honors that you got in high school and everything like that. The biggest surprise at the uh, midseason awards for the Heel Tough Log podcast. All right, now we get to the heavy hitter awards, guys. We will start with the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and we'll go with our defensive MVPs. There are three very obvious guys here. The only other one that I really considered was Power Eccles, but I think it's pretty obvious who the three are here. Our first nominee is a guy that you just saw earlier on the show uh, and that made a huge play for Carolina in the App State game, but that was really only the start for him. His games against Pittsburgh and Syracuse were about as good as it gets. That would be starting cornerback Elijah Huzzy. What a tremendous year he's had so far coming off of his worst game of the year, but still uh, for that to be his worst game of the year, Carolina, that was a routine for Carolina's corners a year ago. Uh, outside of that game, he has been outstanding. And that performance that he had against Pittsburgh, it is going to be tough to rival that for a defensive player this year. Now, there are a couple of guys here that might be able to do that. Cedric Gray, speaking of a guy that uh, had a tremendous defensive performance, what about his performance the other day against Miami? But it's really just been uh, you know, him the entire season. So far this year for Cedric Gray, 52 total tackles, five and a half for a loss, two and a half sacks, one interception, three pass deflections, two fumble recoveries, and a forced fumble. Of course, it, uh, that interception and one of those fumble recoveries came the other day and a huge performance against a team that he just owns at this point in the Miami Hurricanes. He has been a steadying force in the middle of that defense yet again this year, uh, and that's why he is on here uh, once again. Uh, I think he did. He, he won our defensive MVP last year, so not, not a shock that he's back here trying to defend that. And then you've got the Tar Heel edge rusher that has had a tremendous season that not only – People on this podcast are recognizing, not only people in the conference are recognizing, but people nationally are recognizing. And that's Cayman Rucker, 29 total tackles so far this year, 10 tackles for loss, six and a half sacks so far this year. Uh, the uh, total pressure numbers are just through the roof. He's already surpassed his total from last year, which is just absolutely insane. Um, considering that, you know, even last year he had a really solid year. Um, but I, I mean, three, uh, tremendous candidates here, uh, that I think all are very deserving of being recognized. Man, how, how different times are in Chapel Hill because, you know, remember how painful this used to be. We well, used, to used to just to be give it out. giving out MVP to MVP, uh, awards to guys that wouldn't even be like all third team mentions. Like that's how bad it was. Now you've well, got Well, last year, remember what last year was. Last year was, hey, we got these two great linebackers and we feel horrible for them because they literally have to do everything. Yeah. This <laughs> year, I mean, Carolina's going to have first team all-conference players up front uh, at the linebacker spot and, and in the secondary. And I don't know, A, if that's ever happened. 
And B, if it did, it probably happened when, when Butch Davis was on the sidelines back when Carolina knew how to play defense. And Carolina's playing defense like they did uh, under Butch Davis. Um, and, and the biggest reason why is Cayman Rucker. You, and look, not to say that said Gray and Elijah Huzzy wouldn't be doing what they're doing without him, but he makes their jobs easier. He makes it easier for said Gray to get to the football behind the line of scrimmage as opposed to making the handful of tackles he's making, seven, eight, you know, 35 yards down the field. You're getting pressure on the quarterback, which means they're trying to make Aaron throws. And you've got a ball-happy uh, corner in Elijah Huzzy that's going to make plays on them. And, um, you know, the thing about Rucker is this is a guy that we've identified um, really since he got on campus as despite being undersized, was maybe used in the wrong way. And they, this was a guy that they hadn't quite figured out how to get the most out of him. That's different this year. I don't know exactly what Tim Cross, what Gene Chizik identified in the offseason, but they moved him to a much more natural position, one where his body uh, can be more effective, and you're seeing results. This guy, This guy is living in the opposition's backfield, and – He's really living up to the name The Butcher because he's butchering teams' offensive game plans whenever they try to attack Carolina's defense. And so, you know, said Grace having a phenomenal year. Elijah Huzzy has been absolutely brilliant the last three or four games or so. But it's got to be Cayman Rucker because he makes it all look the way that it looks with the job he's doing up front. Well, that's it, right? It all starts up front. And I know – I know Gene Chizik said that he thinks it starts from the back, and he's talked about that multiple times, especially uh, during during the preseason. But, I, I mean, what he's doing is just phenomenal. I mean, he is right up there with some of the best in college football. I mean, so far this year, tw- he has 33 total pressures. He has three games so far this year where he has uh, eight or more pressures in games. I mean, that's just unbelievable what he's doing so far this year. Um, I mean, six six and a half sacks. I mean, it's just the way that he dominated that game against South Carolina was truly unbelievable. And Mm -hmm. then we thought to ourselves, okay, he dominated that game. Will we see that again this year? Well, he dominated the game against Pittsburgh, and then he turns around and dominates the game against Miami. So the two biggest games of the year for Carolina, and you could almost argue that the three, because that was Carolina's first true road game, was against Pittsburgh. He has stepped up and been phenomenal in each one of those games. I mean, enough cannot be said about this dude. He, to me, I mean, look, there's an argument for the other two guys. They played tremendous. But to me, this was the easiest award out of the whole group. And that says a lot. To the side, I, I I have him as my defensive MVP, uh, and uh, that means that he is the official defensive MVP of the Heel Tough Blog podcast at the midseason point. Now let's go over to the offensive side. These ones, I mean, relatively obvious. Uh, we'll start with the two very obvious ones. Drake May is the first guy that you have to put up here. As I mentioned. Had some turnover issues early in the season, but he really is playing better now uh, than he was playing a year ago. 161 of 212, uh, 1,902 yards passing, 
12 uh, touchdowns through the air, four interceptions. Meanwhile, on the ground, 62 carries, 184 yards, and four touchdowns. The other obvious one here is running back Amari and Hampton, 112 carries, 658 yards, eight touchdowns. He has scored in every single game except one so far this year. He has two games where he has multiple touchdowns, including the dominant performance against App State, where he ran for 234 yards. Uh, and then you have the third guy, and we debated about this for a while. We kind of went back and forth because there wasn't really a, a, an obvious one here, but we decided to go with Nate McCollum. Uh, really, you know, played in five games, but really has only played in four because that game against App State, he only had one catch for nine yards. He didn't play a ton of snaps because he was still coming back from the injury that kept him out against South Carolina. So really in four games, uh, he has 31 catches, 374 yards, and a touchdown. We debated this one. We kind of went back and forth because we thought, honestly, uh, Tess Walker had a case to already be up here. But we go with Nate McCollum. Those are our finalists there. Uh, and this one, another one to me that uh, was very, very difficult to decide. Yeah, no, it was because that's – that's the level of offensive football Carolina is playing this year, despite us all expecting this to to be a regression of sorts after um, four years of seeing Phil Longo move the ball up and down the field and score points left and right. They're still doing that, and more importantly, they're doing it more officially, which is the biggest reason why uh, they're 6-0. The answer is Drake, um, because – and you said this, and, and I agree with this when you said it earlier – He's a better football player than he was a year ago. Mm -hmm. And that's saying a lot because last year he was pretty damn good. Um, and look, you look at the two picks against South Carolina, there was one that was really his fault. There was another one, the catch should have been made, the ball shouldn't have been tipped up in the air, should never happen. The two against Minnesota, egregious. Should have never happened. But I think they were just one where he kind of just arm punted it and he hasn't made those same mistakes. His processing is at an NFL level. He's seeing and reading the defenses like an NFL quarterback uh, is, is is expected to. And he's making the right checks and he's making the right changes. And his feel for the game is better. Um, he knows when to use his legs and when not to. He knows when to throw it away and to when to try and force a throw. Um, and it was really hard to get better than what he did a year ago. But yet he's found a way to get better as a college quarterback. Um, and, and you look at some of the throws he made every time Carolina needs him to make a play. And that's been often because they've won all, all their games, but one by double digits, but in every moment they've needed him to make a Drake may throw. And he's made those throws. Um, and, and like, I know Hampton's had two monster games and you could, in a lot of ways, give him the award. But when you get shut down the way he did, against Minnesota, against Pittsburgh, it's kind of hard to give him the awards while Drake May was out there throwing for, you know, 400 yards and like eight touchdowns in the two games combined or whatever. So, um, and Nate McCollum has been a, a, a welcome addition. It's been a lot of fun. But, again, like I said with the defensive guys, Omarion Hampton isn't having the success if Drake May isn't the quarterback. And, and – Nate McCollum isn't having the success if Drake May isn't the quarterback. Um, and it's not taking any, any, anything away from those guys. 
it just shows it just goes to show you how his greatness is elevating the guys around him. And I've always said that's what great players do. They elevate the guys around him, and that's what he's done this year more so than any other quarterback I think we've ever seen in program history. Oh, there's there's no doubt about that. <clears throat> I don't mean to make you get choked up over I, I, I did. I mean, I'm emotional. That was an eloquent I, I, point. I mean, you you just so eloquently laid that out there. Uh, we have, you know, two players that I care so deeply about and Drake and Amorian. Um, but you no, know, seriously, I mean, when it comes to Hampton, I, I mean, it's it's such an interesting argument because you're right. You know, he had the two games against Minnesota and Pittsburgh where he didn't produce a ton of yards. But we all know why he didn't produce a ton of yards. It was because the offensive line was not blocking well in front of him. Like, if you don't have the blocking – you know, I, I know, you know, quarterbacks, it, it's it's definitely impactful. For running backs, I mean, it may be even more impactful. Like with, with quarterbacks, I mean, dude, look at Joe Burrow and what he's done in Cincinnati. He's found ways to win. If you're a running back and you don't get blocking, it does not matter how good you are. You're not going anywhere. So I think that was kind of the issue that he ran into. That's why I still think it's that difficult of a decision because you look at what he did against App State, you look at what he did against Miami the other night. I mean, if you don't have a Maury and Hampton out there, you don't win those games. I yeah. mean, he was that big of a difference maker. And But you can make the argument if you don't have Drake May in either one of those games, you don't win those games. So that's kind of where it is. I I, I agree with you. I'm going to give it to, I, you know, I we'll, we'll give it to Drake. Congratulations, Drake. You take home your second award of the evening. Uh those are going to look beautiful beside that Heisman Hill hoist the second Saturday. In and last Bowl year's November. awards. He's been cleaning up on this show the last few years. He's done amazing. I'm sure those are the ones that he really cares the most about, right? All these other awards, Davey O'Brien, if he gets that. Uh, you know, the Manning Passing Award, if he gets that. The Heisman. I mean, who? Come on. Who really cares about that? It's the it's the heel tough blog award that you really care the most about. That's what I thought. That's that's what I'm saying. But yeah, I I think he narrowly edges him out. And this offense, you know, you I would not want to see what this offense would be without Drake May. We thought it was going to be hard to top what Sam Howell did here. And every time that we don't, we think it can't get better with Drake May. It seems to get better the way he's performing right now. I, I mean, he's He's playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the entire country, and it's why he could end up uh, in New York at the end of the season. The question is, though, does he receive the overall MVP award for the first half of the year? So he is clearly one of the nominees. We laid you his stats out just a minute ago. The other obvious nominee is Cayman Rucker, the winner of the defensive MVP award. We laid his stats out for you. Tremendous season. The third guy, I kind of, you know, with this one, I considered Cedric Gray. I considered Elijah Huzzy. It's Amari and Hampton that's got to be up here as well. Those are your three finalists for the award. Where do you go with this one? Uh, I mean, I, I still We did not go... decide this before the show. So Yeah, I mean... I still go with Drake because, and we live in a society where quarterback gets all the praise, they get all the blame. 
Um, he got Carolina off to a nine and one start last year with Cayman Rucker on the roster, with Amari and Hampton on the roster. So um, maybe that should be a reason why you don't give it to him. But I mean, he had these guys last year, and he had Carolina in a really good start to start the year because, and I, you know, I think we said this, we said this last year, and there's there's no way to say it without it coming across negative towards towards Sam, but he's just a different guy. He's the best that we as Tar Heel fans have ever seen. And he covered, last year he covered up a lot. And unfortunately, a lot of that got exposed at the end of the year. But I think what makes him what he is, is that there's just, a, there's the leadership there. Not to say that Sam didn't have it. There's a respect factor there. Again, not to say that Sam didn't have it. But that locker room knows. That dude, we've we've got and look, Sam was program changing. Drake's generational. This guy's going to be the second quarterback taken in the draft. At, at worst, at worst, there's a good chance, depending on how the rest of the year plays out, how the testing goes, how the combine goes, how he does in the underwear Olympics. This guy could be the first quarterback taken next if, year if, in the draft. If uh, if the organization that he that selects first does not want Caleb Williams to be a part of their ownership group as a rookie quarterback. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, it, it's just there's something. I was very confident watching Sam Howell play quarterback. I knew every Saturday I had a chance to win. I go in every Saturday expecting to win. And that only happens when you got that guy at quarterback. Carolina has that guy. And as great as Hampton has been, as great as Rucker has been, all these guys have been, they're still not 6-0 and without 10 God and shotgun slinging the rock around. And that's why he's this team's most valuable player. Dare I say he is, uh, quote, him, as uh, they would say. Yeah, um, whatever, whatever cliche in the history of cliches have existed about, like he has it, he is him. He, you know, I checked the x-rays, he's got that dog in him. He checks off all the boxes. Yeah, let's not get back to that one. I'm 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 glad I don't have to see that on the timeline. Uh this is this is tough, man. Cause I, I gotta tell you, to me, this is the toughest one to decide. Cause I I don't think that Carolina is where they are at without either one of the two MVPs. Like, I don't think that they're where they're at without Drake or without Cayman Rucker. I think that they would be able to manufacture something. They would probably be okay if they didn't have Amari and Hampton, as hard as that is to say. And that's not to take anything away from him. He's having an unbelievable year. But these two guys, I mean, if you take Cayman Rucker off this defense, how good is this defense? Are they really that good? Is this team, is this team, Six and zero? I don't think so. I don't think there's any way because th- th- we talked about it. What has led to this defense becoming as good as it has this year is the ability to get after the quarterback. It has helped everything else about this defense. And Cayman Rucker is the one guy that is consistently getting to the quarterback. I mean, you look at the rest of the team. Nobody else on the team has more than. Two and a half sacks 
And the guy with two and a half sacks is Cedric Gray. So in terms of defensive linemen, there's nobody else that has more than two. And that's Amari Gaynor and Bo Atkinson. So I think without him, Carolina is nowhere near where they're at. But without Drake, Carolina is nowhere near where they're at. I mean, without Drake, what what does that game against Syracuse look like? What does the other night look like? You know, it's, it's so tough. But I will, I will stick with you and agree with you for now that I think it is Drake because I think you've seen a guy just take things to the next level. Um, you know, we talked about so many different things. I mean, just the way you, you said it earlier, the way he is processing, I think his deep ball has gotten even better. That throw that he made the other night, to Tez Walker, that's, that's, I mean, you are not seeing many players in college football make a better deep throw. No, and and the only other two dudes that probably make that throw, guess where they're going to be? They're going to be in New York at the Heisman Trophy. Like, and that's Caleb Williams, if he gets there, and Michael Penix Jr., who I, who I always say is the best deep ball thrower in the country. Like, so yeah, what he's doing is what the other – great quarterbacks are doing and that one the other night I mean I mean you got choked up earlier when you I mean it was just it was beautiful I have not seen that type of we're we're used to seeing other quarterbacks make those throws on our defense except there's not a corner there to make a play on the ball like that was the thing about it was there was a guy there to make a play on the ball and Drake said you know I'm gonna make the throw and we're gonna score a touchdown so um <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was it was beautiful. So there we go. Drake May the overall MVP at the midway point of the 2023 season. Those are your heel tough blog mid-season awards, guys. Uh I think this uh, show went very well. Our attire um I think will be uh very, very talked about on the airwaves tomorrow of WFNZ, uh, which this podcast is a part of the family of. So uh, tune in for that, guys, uh, to uh, the sh- to the shows uh, six to six, uh, the main shows on the airwaves, uh, the Adam Gold show. I do not believe Adam Gold will be talking about that, but he will be on also uh, later in the evening. Yeah, I took a shower before the podcast. You did. I'm gonna need That's to take good. a shower. After this, because I've got dying, I've got a long sleeve on underneath. It's actually the UNC. Well, that's basketball. just a stupid. That's just a stupid move by you. Like uh, it's, it's the UNC basketball warm up from a year ago, um, and it, it's kind of heavy. Um, and, and so the amount of back sweat that I can feel on the back of this shirt uh, in fifty five minutes of sitting on my ass and talking is troubling. Okay. See, this is why we're not going to be up there with the Grammys, the VMAs. Like, we're not going to be on national television. We were closing in. We had a contract being written. And then that moment happened right there. But that's going to conclude our award ceremony uh, for the midseason awards for the 2023 season. We will be back later this year with the postseason 
awards. But in the meantime, in between, we will have previews and recap editions of the podcast, including Friday night. We will be previewing the game against Virginia, so you don't want to miss any of that. All that stuff, of course, uh, will be on the Heel Tough blog uh, Facebook page, as well as the YouTube page. Uh, it'll be on my personal Twitter page, at HTB Anthony, uh, so you guys can check out all that stuff. We also make sure to share all of this stuff to the WFNZ pages, if that's the way uh, that you want to consume us as well. So make sure uh, wherever you are watching that you are checking it out. Or if you're listening to the podcast, we always appreciate you as well on any of the major podcasting platforms. Meanwhile, on the website, uh, we do have mid-season grades that will be coming out uh, here later this week. Should be on uh, Thursday. Have that preview for you for the game against Virginia. Um, we also have uh, an update on some guys in the 2024 class that are trending up according to 24-7 Sports. That article is going to come out later tonight after this edition of the podcast has concluded. So make sure that you guys are keeping an eye out for that. Meanwhile, on the basketball side of things, uh, I encourage you to go back and check out the live action takeaways. Uh, Carolina had their scrimmage uh, during live action with Carolina basketball last Friday. And it was a really good look at this year's team. Uh, we got to see a lot uh, from the guys. And uh, we do have uh, some other news that's been floating out uh, here over these last couple of days uh, that uh, could be interesting to monitor as we move forward, as we get closer and closer uh, to previewing the season. We are going to get rolling, of course, uh, on the website side of things. Josh will have you covered. And then uh, we will have you covered on the Four Corners podcast. Uh, you can find that same places that you find Yield Tough blog podcast. Uh, we'll uh, be going through it uh, full speed as we get you prepared for this upcoming season of Tar Heel basketball. An important one, but one that we are incredibly excited about. So that wraps it up once again for this edition of the Heel Tough blog podcast. I want to thank Josh for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.